On this week's episode, we've got a few things to talk about, especially some new watches, which I may be guilty of more than I thought I've picked up recently, as well as Spence picking up a new watch as well. After that, we get into the new Hoyer Limited Edition with Hodinkee, we talk about the new Tissot, and a little bit about Hodinkee buying out Crown and Caliber. This was a fun episode, lots of banter, lots of talk, and lots of new watches, so I hope y'all enjoy it. So sit back, relax, because it's time for another episode of the Whiskey and Watches podcast. Welcome everybody to episode 57. Yeah, I think this is 57. Season 2 episode something of the Whiskey and Watches podcast. Uh, it's it's just the three of us tonight. It's uh, it's a bit of a rarity. I know we've got uh, com- some more guests coming up the next couple episodes, I think. Uh, but we've got uh, got a lot of lot of ground to cover tonight, so uh, we might as well get to it. Uh, as you all know, we're going to start with our drink check and wrist check. And uh, Buzzy, why don't you go ahead and lead us off? All right, sounds like a plan. Everybody, drink check time. Buzzy is back to being a fancy boy. I am on Team Manhattan tonight. That's right. right? I think we're going to go three for three in the Manhattans. For those playing along at home, nobody could see Spence throwing both of his arms in the air in in triumph. All right. The Buzzy Manhattan is as follows. Two measures of Weller Green, one measure of Dolan Sweet Vermouth, one shake of Fee Brothers Cherry Bitters, shake in an ice-filled metal shaker 40 times. Count how many times you shake so you're consistent. Then serve with two Luxardo cherries. Top tip here, uh, Dolan Vermouth is also approved by our friend Debbie at uh, Case and Crown. She's also a big fan. Next time, I think I might check out the uh, two and a half to one ratio. I'm just I'm trying to find that that golden perfect Manhattan. Though it might be a while because I've kind of put myself on a pitch count as far as drinks for Lent. So I'm trying to space them out, you know. But yeah, Team Manhattan tonight. On my wrist, I have a new watch. Well, I had it the last episode also. It's the Cincinnati Watch Co. Divers Edition. I have the black and uh, gilt colorway. And it's dynamite. I really like it. We'll we'll talk more about the uh, new watches later in the episode, but it's a uh, it's a nifty piece. I still haven't taken it off my wrist since receiving it a week ago, which is typically a good sign. That's what I got going on. Well, I'll go next because we'll we'll. Uh... Well, I don't know what I can't remember what order we're going in, but Spangler's got a lot more to talk about than I do. So, uh, <laughs> which I was reminded of. He forgot. Yeah, he forgot. It's not that he <laughs> forgot that he has new things to talk about. It's he's forgotten how long it's been since he's been on an episode. <laughs> it's it's been a <laughs> it's been a while. Hello, everybody. I don't know if you all know Spangler. He's he's one of our. I think he's one of our co-hosts. <laughs> I'm not quite sure at this point. Um, yes. Yeah, so, so uh, uh, Spence is also being a bit of a fancy boy. 
Um, I'm also drinking a Weller Manhattan, but I'm not nearly as fancy as Buzz. Um, I have yet to track down some Dolan Vermouth uh, per their recommendation. Next time I'm out, I will be looking for it, though. But I do have Weller Green Label. Um, and because I really only drink Manhattans, if I'm mixing a cocktail, it's very rare that I'm drinking something else. I don't measure it out as much as Buzzy does. I've kind of got it down to a visual science, if you will. I know exactly what it should look like. And if it doesn't look like that, I add more of what I don't have in it. If it looks too dark, I need to add more more whiskey. If it looks too light, I need to add a little bit more vermouth. The bitters is usually just like one and a half shakes, so I'm good there. Um, and I don't have the fancy Luxardo cherries. Um, but yes, and then I just got an ice sphere in my nice uh, highball glass, and you stir it a little bit, and that's perfect. Uh, that's what I got. I can see Buzzy slowly shaking his head a little bit that I'm not quite as fancy as him, but I know what I like and I know what it looks like. <laughs> so I, I think that uh, I need to gift you some Luxardo. That, uh, that I will, I will that agree with that. I will agree with the, the cherries are, they, they could be an improvement. However, it's going to be the same color and that might be your magic ratio thing. I know what my ratio looks like in the glass. So, <laughs> Yeah. By the way, everyone, sorry, sorry to jump in here. I did forget. I am almost out of my uh, my thing of Luxardos. Still have plenty of the juice left over. If anyone knows any good cocktails to use that in, it's delicious and nutritious, obviously. But anyone knows any good cocktails that use it, hit me up. Back to you, Fitty Spence. Right, yeah, we got a little bit of a theme going on with our little screen names tonight, even though we all know each other's names. Uh, I also want to note um, that I am being just slightly fancier than Buzz in a different way. I do have on a cardigan um, as in, in, in uh, appropriate uh, watch podcasting parlance. I'm, I'm wearing the right – I don't have on a bolo tie though, and I am also wearing sweatpants, so that probably cancels it out. Um, but on my wrist um, – we'll talk a little bit more about this piece uh, later – but I have on a, a, a new Daytona homage. <laughs> Did that a couple of weeks ago. It's actually, um, those of you who listened last week, you're going to say, wow, Spence, that was quick. Um, I'm actually wearing my new Seiko SRQ029, the, uh, the Prospects chronograph that came out at the very end of 2019. I just picked it up from Richter and Phillips over the weekend. Um, didn't take that long since the last episode I was talking about what's on the horizon. Uh, we'll get a get a little bit into this or a little bit more into this in a little bit, but uh, I'm, I'm really, really enjoying this piece. So uh, we'll talk a little bit more about it later because Spangler's got, has got some stuff to talk about too. I do. Um, well, I'll, I'll start with what is in the glass here. Um, and you know, buzz is being fancy tonight. I'm also being fancy. Spence is being fancy. I also yeah. have a Manhattan. Um, yeah. Maybe, yeah, we're, we're three for three tonight for the Manhattans. Um, but I don't know if I'm that fancy. I've got a Kochi Vermouth, uh, some of the Weller Special Reserve that Spence was kind enough to uh, give to us. Half, one, one, one ratio on that. That's what I do. Um, I used to have some black walnut liqueur that you could add into this, and it's a secret ingredient. I highly recommend it if anybody can pick one of those up. Um, makes a great specialty Manhattan. And then I also have a Luxardo cherry in mine because Buzz's recommendation was great. You have to have a cherry in these. Um, and I also put a little bit of the juice Ooh. in with mine, a little bit of that uh, cherry juice in with Manhattan. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, and then the uh, the bitters. How can I forget the bitters? Um, two shakes Angostura bitters and two shakes uh, cherry bitters. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. 
while, you gotta, you while we're talking bitters really quick, mine have Angostura in it tonight, but on occasion, I will mix mine with orange bitters, which will give it a slight old-fashioned tint, but it's just a little mm-hmm. bit different, but it's still very much a Manhattan, so I've yes, the, the orange bitters are also very good. Yeah. I, I uh, like yeah. those I've as also well. done the orange bitters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One, 100%. Um, and then on the wrist tonight, um, as I guess we've uh, alluded to a little bit, I do have a few new watches and this is one of them i picked it up today actually and i'm very excited about it i haven't been able to stop staring at it for the past <laughs> we'll say two hours but it's my doxa sea rambler aqualung edition it's fantastic we'll get into a little bit more later but it's whew, it is it is something else and also uh i do have some sad news to report spence did mention my bolo tie uh the bolo tie is gone uh it has been left at a place and I cannot retrieve it anymore. So it's uh Uh-oh. I'm about to get a new bullet. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm gonna have to get a new one. It's very sad. I, I should have been wearing it tonight on the podcast, but uh yeah it's it is gone to the great beyond and I I, I can't get it back now. So uh yeah. <laughs> that's not just sad. That's bordering on tragedy. That's really like I'm 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 a little hurt and <laughs> feel like that's a discussion topic for off air. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm hurting too. Trust me, it's been a few weeks, and I uh, I got to order. Got to order. Uh, I'm crestfallen. I'm impressed that we're three for three on the Manhattan's yeah. tonight, and all of them are Weller Green Label Manhattan's. I was not expecting that. That's uh, that was, that was not planned. Plan. The official. If, if anybody at, at, at Weller slash Buffalo Trace is listening, the official bourbon of this episode of the Whiskey and Watches podcast, they're not. We can only wish. Maybe it'd make it slightly easier to get for bottles. The, <laughs> well, for the right we price. just start tagging them more often. For the right price, you could be the official bourbon <laughs> of the podcast. It's, it's really just letting us buy bottles at retail <laughs> on a regular basis. That's really the only price. <laughs> yeah. Make it, just make it slightly feedback. easier. That's all I need. <laughs> that bar is set very Please. low to be the official whiskey of... Uh, of the podcast, <laughs> um, well, bourbon. it's been over a year. No yeah, one's I'm shocked. <sighs> Maybe if we hit double digits in listener guys, to be <laughs> to, to be fair, yeah, we, we really haven't put it out. This is also very true. <laughs> no. sponsorship opportunities. Actually, we we've mentioned it at least once before. I remember one time that we mentioned. It. They're clearly not listening. How yet. many episodes do so we? We start doing this more often. <laughs> once in how many episodes 57 ish <laughs> give or take yeah oh you know it, it doesn't uh, matter we'll get one eventually so before, that's right before know. we dive into matter. new acquisitions why don't we go ahead and do some fresh form finds and i'll kick this off so i don't forget um i'm actually pretty excited about this one it is not a watch we've had in for review, but it is the baby brother of a watch we've had in for review. Um, and, you know, this is one that I think will eventually find its way into the collection further down the road. They're, they seem to be very available. We chatted with their vice president and their uh, their head of marketing. This is a 36 millimeter Marathon MSAR automatic for $4.99 shipped on Reddit. It's on the, uh, on the rubber uh, strap. It's, you know, it's the little 36 millimeter guy with the tritium tubes. Um, one of the best bezels I think I've ever felt. 
um, in, in the two marathons we had in. Very tactile, very easy to grab. They're they're taller than you would expect them to be. That's because they are purpose built, um, and they are a hunk of steel. Oh my goodness! Like you feel like you could bash that thing up against a wall, and it just wouldn't be an issue. Probably put a hole if the wall is drywall, and it most likely would because those things are tanks. I mean, you just want to talk about like the the ultimate kind Absolutely. of. I don't want to say beater watch, like it's a bet, like but the watch you put on and you're like this is going to take anything that I can take and probably a lot more. It's this, like this thing's unbelievable. Um, like I said, I'm not trying on the 36 millimeter size, but I know that's the one that uh, Cole Pennington wears the, the Arctic version. I think they're coming out with an Arctic version of the, uh, is it the JSAR? That's the 41 millimeter automatic. I always get the, the SARS confused, but the 41 millimeter automatic might be coming out with a white dial soon. Um, I think that's in a couple of days, if not the day that this drops, I can't remember, but that one's going to be killer. So that's mine. Mm -hmm. Does uh, anything on that listing say when, when they got it? Uh, No, it does not. Well, I should probably read it. Um, There's a lot more comments. It's on Reddit. So there's so many stupid, there's so many comments on this. Um, apparently it's still for sale. That's yeah, the one but it's kind of rough. Um, it might still be for. Uh, hold on a sec. Uh, let's see here. I don't see anything about when it was bought. So, anyway, that would be a, a good question for uh, any watch with tritium tubes because they have a half-life so they they will get uh, dimmer uh, over time but to a certain point i mean as long as it's not ancient yeah that's that's a that's a sweet deal that would be a lot of uh, a lot of fun it's just a fun watch like i remember when we got those in i was like these like that 46 millimeter seesaw which I was, that's what I was looking so for. Cause I've seen those on the forums, like for ridiculously awesome prices. I couldn't find one this time. It seems like they've all sold, but for a 46 millimeter chronograph, that's like 18 millimeters thick. That thing was so awesome. <laughs> I loved that watch. Yeah, it was a beat. It really was. It was watch. so good. It was I so good. It. it was so good. So good. Super thick rubber strap. It wore way better than that much metal should wear. I mean, it just it was fantastic. Yeah, it was it was fantastic. Um, all right, Buzzy, why don't you go next? All right. Well, this fresh forum find uh, is also show related. We've not had one of these in for a review. I'm copying you, Spence, <laughs> um, but not all the way. I think uh, I have actually had one of these on as my fast form find before. It's the Oris Chronoris. Yes. You know, the name's so nice. You say it twice. Uh, it, it's on uh, Watch You Seek for eight seventy five. The fella just dropped the price by $25. It's uh, in self-described excellent condition with both box and papers. Uh, the seller bought it used, but in mint condition and noted that he just hasn't worn it uh, as much as he wanted to, hence selling it. Uh, this one is on leather, 
and uh, it's it's the the orange seconds hand and kind of the orange plots kind of outbound on the uh, markers. You know, double the crowns, double the fun. Thirty nine millimeters. It's a really great uh, wearable size, kind of a, a funky fun case shape. I. I would really like one of these someday. Um, it just, it seems like a lot of fun. And also with something like this, now granted their bracelet, um, it looks really cool. I, I mean, I haven't ever worn the one on, on the uh, Cronoris, but it looks super cool. It looks very vintage. I, I think that you could have a lot of fun with a, uh, with a shark mesh, aftermarket shark mesh on there. That way you don't have to worry about the, you know, not having end links and all of that. I think that would be superb. But there it is. It's on Watch You Seek, um, box and papers, excellent conditions, eight seventy five. That's what we got going on. Those are sweet. They're very sweet. But Buzz, I think you missed out on the bracelet. You should absolutely put on that watch. The king of bracelets. The most fun. Jubilee? <laughs> you gotta put a Jubilee on it. Yeah. You gotta put a Jubilee on it. <laughs> Spread the gospel. Come on. <laughs> it makes everything look better. Call me old-fashioned. Make me an old-fashioned. Um, except not tonight. I'm drinking a Manhattan. That was great. You gotta put a Jubilee great. on it. <laughs> so good. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll, I'll go next here. Um and this is actually a watch um, that me and Spence saw at our local jeweler RMP a couple days ago. It was an impromptu red bar meetup there. And he pointed it out in the case, and I had never seen it before. And I was, it's one of the watches I actually really like. Uh, but it's a Seiko SPB147J, which is the boutique exclusive, um, you know, one for whatever model range of uh, the prospects. They're new divers they came out with. It's the uh, brown sunburst dial, but this one comes on bracelet, and that's what sets it apart. Uh, it's listed on Reddit for, I believe, if I can see this as I scroll through the paragraph of stuff, uh, $980. So look, below MSRP, yeah. I believe, and it looks like in great shape. He says he's had it for... Uh, we don't say not like in, in when when did we pick up ours? Like you, I got the first one four nine that came to R and P. You got the second Green Willard. Like they've been in the case since the summer. Yep. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't know they had a brown the the brown sunburst it's, on a bracelet, which it's I think not is quite like the one that Rick watch. had. That the one that Rick had. I think that's the one for the one four three is the gray. Is that the one four one? I don't I don't remember the the brown one that came on the rubber is like a brown it has like the gilt and kind of cream um markers are on the on the bezel yeah this one is more of like a i don't mm -hmm. call it like a pewter or a bronze and it's it's uh if anybody yeah. wants to see some really awesome pictures of it shout out to at bearded southern gentleman who also just picked one of these up a couple of weeks ago um and has been posting it all over on instagram so uh if you follow bryant go check that out because he's got one um, and yeah, no, I didn't realize that, um, yeah, I wasn't expecting to see that in R and P's case. Um, it's a, it's a killer piece. Yeah, it seriously is. If anybody has a chance, yeah. you should go check one of them out. The, yeah. Cause the dial is awesome. Re it looks fantastic. Regardless of which colorway you get on those, 
I'm just so surprised that more manufacturers don't have cases like that where they interact, where they're very squared off to the bracelet, because not only would that make manufacturing your end links a heck of a lot easier, it's also strap monster mode, right? It looks so good. It looks so good with with leather, with with rubber. It looks like it, it's meant to be. You don't have the gaps. That's my plea. Manufacturers start doing that a little bit and more. Keep often. drilling those uh, those lugs, right? Drill those yeah. lugs. Drill the lugs. Score off the case. That's right. <laughs> All right. So we we've each gotten some new some new watches lately um, that have come in or have been recently acquired. Buzzy, we didn't really get into this too much uh, last week with the uh, with our buddies down uh, in Australia who are coming to us from the future. Uh, so why don't you give us a little bit more of a rundown on the uh, on the divers edition, and then um, my my review of that watch will be what Buzzy said, but blue, <laughs> <laughs> making my life easier. I like it. Uh, yeah, I, I like what uh, like what you're doing there, Spence. So uh, before I get into that, it was so much fun recording with those guys last week. That that was a great episode. Uh, I am. I also think it's ridiculously cool that we've had guests on four different continents. So, uh, public service announcement to the readers: If you know of anyone in Antarctica, South America. <laughs> Or Asia that would would like that you think would be a cool interview or might want to be interviewed by a podcast, hit us up. And I'm thinking that for the Antarctica one, we might have to stoop to like talking to people that have been to Antarctica on a <laughs> vacation or something like that instead of someone presently in Antarctica. I don't care. I want to talk with Antarctica watch people hanging out with penguins. That's the way to do it. See, I feel That's like yeah, podcast. Two, two of those three are going to be a lot easier than the others. I just feel like South America is a bit of a stretch. <laughs> there may I, be a language I'm barrier there. Really, just joking on that. It's going to be Antarctica. That's going to be tough. <laughs> oh yeah, that's all right. We can do. We it. We can. We can do it. I have. I have faith. All right. So so let's talk the divers edition. Like I said. I haven't taken, uh, well, I've taken this watch off, but I, I haven't worn any other watches besides it. Um, kind of the the first impressions on it, the the gilt colorway, uh, obviously jumps out at you. Uh, this this is actually the first watch that I've had that that's you know been so overtly uh, gilt, and I really like it. Um, works well with my yellow gold um wedding band you know when when i wear that these days because <laughs> you're not leaving your house sometimes um yeah it looks it looks really good i i like the stadium uh bezel on it and then the the domed crystal um there's kind of a, a common refrain that I have oftentimes when, when I'm looking at watches and I really like looking at them from oblique angles. And, uh, 
this one is a lot of fun in, in that regard. You, you, you see all of the surfaces going kind of in and out of, of the dial. And I really like it. It, to be certain, it's not as extreme as like the Breitling, um, super ocean heritage 57 I believe is the, the, the one that has like the big radar dish bezel. Yeah. Very close. Such a good watch. That's, that's a good watch. Yeah. We've now watch. all tried that on and we but, all uh, agree with you, Mike Stockton, if you're listening, that is a killer piece. Yeah. <laughs> so good. The, the bezel's amazing. It's, oh my lord, that bezel's amazing. So good. Anyway, back to Cincy Watch Company. Uh, I, I like the fact that the bezel... Uh, only has the knurling up high on it, and it's a pretty tall one. It it looks looks neat uh, that way. Um, the bracelet's really good. It's jubilee style. The center links aren't as rounded over as as kind of a, a traditional jubilee, and because everything's solid, it is not Mister Jingle Jangle, which is good. Um, for this watch i i do think that that breaks kind of the spiritual lineage back to uh, a jubilee because i think that that's a part of a jubilee bracelet soul is to be mr jingle jangle uh if that makes any sense um it makes sense buzz the uh we've got a uh a swiss uh, movement in here and when you pull out pull out the uh the crown it hacks but there's very little play in the crown i mean it's it's really really good in, in that dimension it's kept really solid time uh for me and if I may, uh, that the, the clasp the cr- very solid you're mentioning the crown to me it has one of the best screw down crowns i've ever had because the way it's angled like it, it, it's almost kind of like a small pyramid the way it goes into the case because there's not really any crown mm-hmm. guards there. But the way it goes in, it's always easy to get back unscrewed. Like not in a bad way though. Like you screw it down tight and it's tight, but it's always just it's it's very satisfying to unscrew. That's the one complaint I have with my SPB is like when I get that tightened down to where I think it should be, I always have a hard time unscrewing it. I do not have that problem with the diver's edition. It is that crown is a joy to operate. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very good. It's, it's noticeable um, how precise it is. I mean, you, you can, you notice that the other thing you notice is uh, it's a, it's a torch. Uh, It's a loom monster. It really is. Uh, I don't, I don't have to charge it at all, and it throws off a, a ton of light. Uh, it's more than more than easy to read what time it is as I'm I'm reading uh, uh, my kid uh, bedtime stories, you know, in a dark room. Um, yeah, Rick did a great job with these, and you know what? The uh, printing on the dial is is very subtle. It's not large, and it that has the effect of um, in most, a lot of conditions, a, a pretty much a sterile dial. And I like it. I, I think that there is nothing wrong with letting the shapes talk. Um, really the only downside is it kind of gets me 
wanting both a Black Bay 58 because of color uh, scheme um, and also a Doxa. And I mean, neither neither one of those are, you know, you, you can make the argument just because of the bezel, it's a little bit closer to the, to the 58, but you know, it, it's not a homage to either of them. Um, but it's, it's still, it's still just kind of lights something up, um, f- for both of those watches. Um, some some level oh, of interest it, that's uh, hearing you say that's like me when i was talking about the retromatic it it kind of for me it was almost curing an itch rather than causing one with a cartier santos and a uh omega con no no still omega still omega constellation <laughs> i don't like the new ceramic bezels one i would get the the one with the steel or the gold bezel but those i think have came out after Casino Royale. I don't know. I'll have to look that up. I have to, I have to consort my references there to see whether it's an Omega or an Omega. I think it's an Omega still anyway, but yeah, I, I, I get it. Like that's those watches. They, they did, they didn't inspire it. They're just, they're dive watches, but I, I agree with you. Like the, the tall bezel that Rick did on that is very Doxa esque. <clears throat> just in that the bezel on Spangler's new mm-hmm. watch sits very tall, but it makes it really easy to manipulate which is what you want in a dive watch. Yeah. So like, it's a great characteristics and it's, we're not saying that Rick copied a Doxa by any means. It's, it's a feature of good dive watches that he put on his dive watch as he should. <laughs> exactly. They are similar solutions to the problem, the same problem of operability that you're going to have in any uh, dive watch. Something that like, you know, the Bond SMPs, do not do right the the low scalloped they bezels. don't but you know which one is worse actually oddly enough the black bay 58 and the black bay like because it's a very thin coin edge on top of it i mean you can still do it but i can see with gloves that one being very difficult because it sits very close to the case edge um whereas at least the bond you can kind of press on the top and spin it right yeah, that's that's the idea with the Omega is that you press down and spin instead of grab which, from the Which sides. reference are we talking in that Omega but, Buzzy? The two two five four. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> the one that's curiously taken the back seat <laughs> recently. All right, that's. I mean, that's a really good recap right. of that uh, of the divers edition. I. Like I said, that but blue um, with an orange pip instead of a red pip um, and orange accents. No, he he did a really great job with that. Um, I'm, I'm really enjoying mine as well. Um, but I have to talk about the, uh, the other new addition that I made recently, uh, which anybody who listened with the Aussies would know uh, that the watch that was next on the radar uh, actually happened this past weekend. It's the uh, Seiko... Uh, prospects SRQ 029, which is their their kind of re-edition of the 6139 Panda that they did. Although I guess I can't remember the reference, but uh, Mike Stockton reminded me that they did a titanium version of this watch, I think 10 years ago, roughly. Um, I'm not as big of a fan of titanium. Like I enjoy it, but it, it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't speak to me the way steel does. Um, 
And obviously I haven't been able to, like, you can't find that old one, but this thing, it's, I joke that it's a, a Daytona homage because it's not, it's, it's got the, uh, the Panda dial, but it's two of the three sub dials are black. Uh, the minute and the hour counter, it's got the 30 and 60 stacked, um, on it. And then the, uh, the running seconds is at three, uh, instead of at like nine o'clock where it would be on a, uh, value 7750 or 7753. I can't remember which orientation that one is. Um, and the, the two black sub dials are the same size, but the running seconds is slightly smaller um, it's just, it's got a lot going on. It's, it's a thicker, it's a thicker case. I think it comes in at like close to 16, but it's got two to three millimeters of domed sapphire on the top. Um, it wears really well cause it's got the short lugs that sit really low on the case profile. Um, it's an in-house column wheel chronograph. And in a weird way, it was funny. Spangler was there cause we had that impromptu sort of like red bar. Everybody can go to Richter today. Let's go hang out and, and look at watches. Um, he was there when mm-hmm. I was actually picking it up and it um, in a weird way, I've kind of been drawn to like thicker dive watches for some reason lately. I was kind of eyeing a Raven deep tech, been looking at some other stuff, but you know, going through dive watch week with uh, our buddy RJ comma, um, I have six dive watches. I don't need another dive watch. Mm-hmm. Um, so in a weird way, this chronograph you know, being a nice big thick piece of steel that wears surprisingly small for 41 millimeters. It's got that awesome seventies or late sixties, early seventies case shape uh, from the six, one, three, nine satisfies that, that itch for like a thick substantial watch with some wrist presence. Um, The other thing that I'm really enjoying about this that I kind of had forgotten uh, until I, I tried it on again, the bracelet, it, um, the way they did it, it's a lot like the Grand Seiko bracelet that I have on my SBGE 249. But the way they faceted the uh, center links, um, it's it's kind of like a blend between an Oyster and a Speedmaster bracelet. Uh, but the way they faceted the center links, they catch the light in the same way that like a, a Laurier bracelet does or the uh, the PPX bracelet does. So like that is a a fun little uh, little aspect of it that I kind of forgot. And the bracelet's actually really solidly made. I know everyone's going to say, well, you know, it's a, it's a higher end Seiko. It should be, but like, it shouldn't be something that you talk about, but like, it's, it's actually really enjoyable to wear on a bracelet and 20 millimeter lugs with the same kind of squared off, uh, end length that Buzzy was talking about. going to look great on a lot of straps. I'm sure we're going to find that out, uh, here shortly, but this has just been a lot of fun. I've been, I've been wearing it for the last couple of days and it's just, it's just a ton of fun to, to look at. Like it's. It was a long time coming. I've been eyeing this one for a very long time, um, and it finally happened. And I'm, I'm, ha- I'm, I'm like absolutely thrilled. <laughs> I love it. I, well, I mean, go for it, Evan. I was gonna say, Spence, Spence, you've been eyeing that watch for a long time, and so it's actually really funny. Another guy in our Red Bar group had gone in and jokingly purchased yes. that watch to get to put the uh, fire under you to actually get it and. Uh, he said something really good. He was like, "He, if me buying that watch made you feel anything, you need to go get it." And you've been eyeing that watch for forever, and I'm glad. I'm glad you finally got it because you know, you've I been have. talking about that watch. And me. I mean, the other thing I forgot to mention too, the case. I think parts of the bracelet. I could be wrong, but definitely the case flanks and the underside of the bezel are Zeratsu polished, which you don't 
usually see on a Seiko that's usually reserved mm-hmm. for brand Seiko. So like this thing just in-house column wheel chronograph, it's again, it's a little bit thicker, but I mean, for what these things retail for even like, it's a strange watch in that, you know, it's, it's an expensive Seiko, but like when you look at everything you're getting for it and the way it fits and the way it, I, I just absolutely love this watch and it's, it's a limited edition of a thousand pieces and I have number, where's it at? Um, there it is. 788. So I'm, I'm pretty, uh, pretty thrilled. And this one, I think has this is the one that I tried on first, uh, back in like January when they finally got it in at Richter and Phillips. So it was, it was, this was a long time. It was about time it actually happened. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the, the, like you said, you're probably the only one interested in it. I am. And I'm thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> What what cracks me up here is that I, I am, you you think that you have a pattern when it comes to dive watches, but between this and your uh, Tudor uh, Black Shield, it's like Uncle Spence's home for wayward chronographs <laughs> over there. You know, it, it you know it kind of is. I like kind of the weird, like I like the, the Tudor's the the only ceramic all ceramic watch that rolex or a rolex company or rolex brand makes um and then this one is just it's 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 a really odd duck with the 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 six o'clock and nine o'clock panda layout um the el primero is a little bit different that is kind of a very classic like you know modeled after the original a386 is to a degree um 38 millimeter chronograph so that one's a little bit different that was a little mainstream if you can call an el primero mainstream um i don't know (laughs) <laughs> but uh conformist yeah yeah that's the conformist one so um i'm glad we got mine out of the way because spang was going to probably talk for the rest of the episode with all the new stuff that he's got exactly <laughs> Oof. apparently again i keep being reminded but i guess i do have some some new stuff and i have to throw this in here you know i have a very strict rule that i don't bring in watches unless i sell them so there have been plenty of watches in my collection that have gone out the door so uh don't think i'm just like buying watches willy-nilly over here everybody i'm not made of money by any means um but spence you mentioned that uh that seiko that you bought is a weird watch and i love weird watches i think they're fantastic for so many different reasons um the design aspect of them i don't know it makes me feel some sort of way and speaking of weird watches the first watch i'm going to be talking about tonight is this lovely doxa that i uh just recently picked up which is just strange and weird in so many different ways, but it makes it so, so good. Um, the case is just one of those interesting case designs you don't see very often. Very, very Doxa-esque. I should hope so. Um, the bezel. <laughs> yes. It's a Doxa. <laughs> Nothing else is a Doxa except a Doxa. Here to hear first, everybody. Bezel. Even stranger, decompression bezel. You don't see that very often. The only other watch I can think of is the Aquastar, maybe. And that's the only other one that comes to mind. And also very strange on this watch. This is a dive watch. Everyone knows that. But the dial on it is so small, which is so weird for a dive watch. Why? I don't know. <laughs> and, you know, I'm pl- I've am i been playing with this in light. They've been watching me on the camera probably just look at this watch and, like, fiddle with it and stare and I really haven't got to get it in sunlight yet, but the dial on this watch, I have a C-Rambler for all those uh, listening, which is like the silver sunburst. 
and it is just going all sorts of ways when you put it in the right light. It's fantastic. So good. Um, and then I, maybe the strangest part of this watch, which it's no jubilee, but who in their right mind puts a dive watch on a beads of rice bracelet? It's very strange, but it's so doxa and I love it so much. Um, and it's just great. This is a great all around, all around watch. So if anybody's out there is on the fence thinking about getting a doxa, but, but Spangler, what recommend. makes this watch even more special? Oh, so this watch, yeah, I, I have yet to mention that aspect of it. Um, and I've been talking about this in our Cincinnati Red Bar group, that if I were to get a Doxa, I would have to get one of the Aqualung editions because I love this logo. Because I'm a <laughs> child at heart, and there are so many jokes to be made off of this logo. It's fantastic. But I'm not going to get into it because, you know, that's... It's okay. When we drop it, I'm sure our buddy Brody right. will remind us of what, what he calls this watch. <laughs> Yes, there's definitely a meme to be made out of this watch and this logo. But um, yeah, my collection has, you know, I have a small subset now, which I uh, was thinking about on the car ride home today after I picked this up. But I have a small subset of my collection of very phallic-esque watches. I've got my, my Aqualung logo on the Doxa here. And, you know, everybody knows the 12 o'clock marker yep. on the Speedmaster. So... <laughs> It's a very small, weird subset. You can call me a strange collector, but, you know, I'm going to rock it. I'm going to roll with it. I love it. Um, Yeah, and this watch is just fantastic. I keep staring at it because it's so good. Um, And I I honestly bought it because I feel like everyone needs to have a collection tailored to them. And the collection I had was great. I liked all of those watches. They were fine. They were great watches. I bought them because I really liked them. But they really weren't watches that I loved, and I love this watch. I've been dreaming of this watch since probably early last summer, and I'm so glad I finally picked one up, and I'm so happy I just got rid of those watches to get this one because, you know, why have those if I am in love with another lady? What can I say? Um, yeah, and it's great because I have the Black Bay 58 now, and I have this watch, which I'm going to use as my beater dive watch, and it's great. I think it's fantastic. So anybody out there and you're looking to eat a Doxa, go for it. They're fantastic. You will not be disappointed. Um, And yeah, I guess I have a couple other watches to talk about too. And one of them I could have sworn I talked about on an episode, but I guess I did not. And that is the Laurier Hyperion, which, and I have to say all of these watches I bought were just some of them were kind of planned, but none of them were just fully thought out. I'm going to get these watches. They kind of just happened. And that with the Doxa, that's the case. Of course, I don't know. We may have said this, but there's a, a Doxa renaissance going on in our, our local Red Bar group. And this one just happened to be for sale at the same time that our renaissance was going on. And I pulled the trigger because why not? It was kind of the same thing with the Laurier 2, which I found it on a forum, and it was a great price, and I was thinking about getting a GMT, and I love Laurier. I absolutely think they're fantastic, and pulled the trigger on that. And that watch is also just amazing. It's a great watch. I have the gilt-dialed Hyperion, and the thing about it that I got and I was just so amazed by was how thin it is. It's a really, really thin watch. 
and you know you guys will see it eventually um which i should have brought it to our impromptu red bar but i came very underprepared and didn't bring any extra watches with me so shame on me but the watch is so thin speedmaster which you can see in the case at richard and philip (laughs) okay well i have a special speedmaster okay don't knock me there (laughs) (laughs) it's the spangler special what can i say um i like to think it's the only one in the world it's probably not somebody else has probably done that um but yeah no the the loria hyperion is a great watch um swiss movement so prod something some numbers after that i forget what it is um but yeah it's a great watch super thin um the bezel is great if you're going for that um bakelite-esque look on a watch it's it's fantastic um you know and it's a laurier if you know their brand you know the design you know what they stand for all the good stuff you know and lauren lauren and lorenzo lorenzo are great people you know we've interviewed them twice they're great. I love having watches by them. It just, you know, it makes me feel good to support people that we like. And speaking of supporting people that we like, also just kind of a watch that kind of just happened was the Cincinnati Watch Co. Cincinnatus Field Watch that I also picked up that I may have gotten guilted into buying. <laughs> I'm not going to lie here. I may have gotten guilted into buying because I didn't originally pre order one, you know. But, uh, Rick was like, do you want one? And I'm like, if you got some, I'll, I'll take it because I don't need to catch any flack. So I'm sure I would have. And so I got the blue dial, which he calls the West coast blue. And the thing about those watches, and I don't know if you guys have seen any of them yet, but the dials are great. They're super textured, which is unlike any dial that I've seen and held. And they're really cool. The dials is really cool. Um, I currently have mine in a NATO which I then switched out for a Jubilee. And let me say, yeah. Yep. I had it on NATO earlier today, and then I had my Jubilee sitting around, and I'm like, I'm going to try it out on this. I think this might work. And lo and behold, it did work. And it looks great. Because every watch looks great on a Jubilee. It's (laughs) mathematically proven. Math. (laughs) Math. But uh, I got the uh, the blue because I'm a big soccer fan. I'm a big supporter of FC Cincinnati. And eventually I will get some type of orange rubber strap to put on that watch to match the blue dial. And I'll be rocking it at uh, FC's new stadium once they open back, that back up. And, of course, it actually opens up when this virus uh, nonsense goes away. So fingers crossed it'll be this summer sometime, but uh, we'll have to see. But the watch is great. You know, Rick's a great guy. And yeah, so I think I think that about covers it for my watches. I, think it does. I feel but right. Speaking of, of people we know uh, and supporting them, not in that way, but uh, we do have to give a couple of shout outs. Uh, first, we'll go uh, our buddy Bro. Uh, everybody saw on Instagram. Congratulations on mm-hmm. the new edition, the newest little bro in the family. Um, that's exciting. <laughs> Hope you slept before. Although I know I know you've got you've got a, a, an almost two year old. So. Uh, yeah, man-to-man coverage. Enjoy that, buddy. <laughs> and then uh, our buddy, uh, since he watched Doc, uh, Matt from uh, Richard and Phillips, uh, welcomed a new addition as well, a new, a new little girl. So uh, congrats, Matt. Um, I wish you nothing but the best. Uh, congrats to you and your wife. So uh, had to make sure we got those in um, before we talked about some of the new stuff we've seen uh, in the news recently. Um, I think there's a new 
Hoyer limited edition coming out uh, the day this drops. Uh, Crown and Caliber Ellie, I believe. Um, <laughs> to tie two things together. Um, no, uh, yeah. Evil I, Empire has grown. You know, oddly enough, um, it was funny. I was kind of talking about that. Like, I have, like, like, it's it's a non-event for me that they brought crown and, bought crown and caliber because it's used watches. I mean, they were already selling vintage pieces. Like it, it's different. That I think the biggest gripe that everybody has, and this isn't going to be a, a, a large Spence's soliloquy, but like we kind of talk about the whole idea of writing a review on a watch that you're selling new in your shop as an authorized dealer is a little bit of inside baseball. There, used watches are a completely different story. And Crown and Caliber, you know, I know a lot of people have bought watches in them. Very easy to deal with. You know, this this kind of, I mean, I can see this making sense, and I don't really have any issues with this one. I mean, this, it was, I don't want to say it was kind of a matter of time. I mean, you saw Analog Shift get gobbled up by watches of Switzerland. Like, this just kind of makes makes sense to me. Like, there's, there's no issue there. Um, but speaking of the, one of the only tags that will sell out this year, um, what do we think this is? What do we think this is? I mean, there's been a lot of coverage on Hodinkee lately about the Skipperera, you know, the, the the piece by Jeff Stein about the original one, and like just. But they said if this watch is a color, I think it was like black. I don't, I don't know. It's clearly a chronograph, so I don't know. I don't know what this could be. I I don't know. I've I've personally been watching those videos like eagle eyed trying to spot anything I can on the dial. And they're doing a very good job because all you can really see is the indices mm-hmm. and the pushers. And obviously you can tell that it's a Carrera or Hoyer by the the lugs. But I, I can't really spot anything. I haven't been able to see any subdials on it. It's obviously a chronograph, but I don't know what kind. They're doing a very good job of it. Uh, but if they take from what they did with the, the skipper, which is probably, in my mind, one of Hodinkee's best limited editions and probably one of the most sought-after ones that people will go after. And I actually have never seen one for sale very recently. Maybe when they first sold, they were for sale, but I really have not seen too many for sale recently. And so deep down, I really want to be some type of skipper because I think those are really cool watches. I think they're very, very cool. Um, So I don't know. We'll have to see. But I love anything to do with the Carrera, so. They are doing a frustratingly good job with all of those teeth videos. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah, you're, you're right. That is literally the only thing we know about, about this is that it has pushers. Wouldn't it be hilarious if they punked us all and that, uh, you know, there's no sub dials. It's just like to push something that you want to when you just want to fiddle with your watch it's it's a course watch then the pushers move the date on the sub dial <laughs> or it's a uh big punk <laughs> or it's some sort of like protective uh plastic thing that snaps onto the case during packaging and transit <laughs> yeah uh i definitely think it's going to be like the carrera anniversary model that they just put out um i i think that there's not much of a bezel 
to speak of on this one. Something's telling me it's not going to be like the Porsche limited edition where they're just going to have Hodinky uh, etched into the uh, ceramic. Yeah, I think it's going to be a, a thin, thin metal one. Yeah, frustratingly good job at uh, keeping keeping it under wraps, but good for them. And, and Spence, you're right. There's a regardless. Lot, there is a lot less conflict of interest slinging used watches. Um, that is uh, assuming that they haven't bought like a bajillion Universal Geneve pull routers, and they're they're not uh, you know planning to to let those loose at like three grand a pop. That is the one watch that I feel like that if, if they were going to corner the market and it would be that one in fairness, it is a great watch, but it is kind of funny how that is kind of like the, like that is some very inside baseball right there um, is, but no, I mean, the market is what it is. And like, it, that's the thing like, if you're, if you're selling used watches and your price, everyone's like, Oh, the prices are going to jump. It's like, are they? Because Watchbox and Chrono 24 exist, and if prices on one platform are higher than on the other, you're just not going to buy it on that platform. So, like, it's it's weird to talk about used watches or vintage watches as, like, a commodity. But at the same point, like, it, it, I don't want to say it's like an arbitrage opportunity, but, like, there's a reason why hedge funds trade on different exchanges, because if they have fast enough internet and there's a price discrepancy you correct for it in theory so like if if their price for a certain watch is higher than another either that condition's got to be their, their quality or their condition of what they source has to be significantly better than the others or they're not gonna sell any watches so <laughs> just kind of is what it is um anyway stonks go up stonks. diamond hands <laughs> <laughs> uh, big, big stonks big stonks on this um, that's right well i mean so there's a couple other pieces that came out so i'm gonna go with an omega opinion because this is definitely a new omega and i was really hoping like i saw that they were talking about the america's cup and i was like oh yeah maybe this is my maybe my lead pipe lock's gonna hit the new l and it's not a speedmaster it is a seamaster professional chronograph which makes a hell of a lot more sense than a speedmaster for a boat race, <laughs> like. Uh, but the cool bit. thing, I think, uh, I'm not as sold on the uh, chrono lock on that one. Maybe I guess maybe for a boat race because you don't know when you're going to be using it. But I feel like the the regular seamaster professional chronos do pretty good in the water. I feel like the uh, Planet Ocean chronos do pretty good in the water um, as far as 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 being watertight. But they've got this new chrono lock um, actuator like lever kind of thing on it on the same side as the helium escape yeah. valve because, you know, it's a Seamaster professional. So it's got that, which I have one of those watches. You don't really notice it. Everyone jokes. Like, it's a design choice. I was actually listening to the, an episode of the Graynado recently, uh, the one where they were the watch brand CEOs. And they're like, Heaton had, the, I think, the best point about this with the helium release valve. He's like... Can you imagine of all the things you have going on as a saturation diver that on the way up on the decompression, you have to remember to unscrew that thing? Like, 
I'm like, okay, that's probably the, the, the most logical point for killing it. I'll give you that. Like of all the things to have to remember to unscrew that helium escape valve on, on decompression. I get that. That's fair. Leave it to Jason Heaton to be the voice of reason as always. Um, but uh, I, I thought that uh, I thought that those were on your watch to help you escape from helium. They might like I mean, maybe you could that run away from it, it faster yeah. when you run through the valve. Um, <laughs> but no, the other thing too, I think what what was universally uh, loved in the Red Bar chat this morning, they have a new quick release bracelet system on that watch, which we're hoping will trickle down into all the other Omegas as they come out. Um, it looks pretty legit. It looks pretty cool. So the yeah, anybody that comes out with a good quick release bracelet system, it's it's a okay in my book because we need more of that. Absolutely, hundred or drilled lugs, but I like quick release bracelets. Both because <laughs> when you can quick or both, why are we gonna have both? When you can quick release a bracelet, you're more likely to put a strap on it. And not every strap is going to have the nifty uh, toolless uh, spring bar on it. So you might want drilled lugs. I. Yeah. And that's the only. I think those are great. I was going to say, that's my only issue with. Uh, that's my only issue with these new quick release bracelets is that if you really want the full effect to be able to swap the bracelet out you're probably going to have to go to the manufacturer for at least a little bit until aftermarket brands catch on. And we all know how much it is to buy bracelets from manufacturers through your AD. So it'll be a hefty price if you want to be swapping bracelets on these watches. But I love the system, regardless. I'm just worried about the prices of uh, the bracelets. Yeah. I really would love to play with the pusher lock. It's so superfluous and unnecessary, but it seems really <laughs> fun and I really want to play around with it. So here's the thing, and it literally just hit me. It literally just hit me. Because I'm wearing a chronograph. Mm -hmm. So I've got, if, if you can imagine that this is, this is going to be great podcasting. But if you can imagine that this is that watch. So the helium release valve is up here at 10. When you're wearing a chrono, mm -hmm. you always grab the case. So if I'm going to start the chrono, look at where my hands are placed. Obviously, I have my index finger up at 2 o'clock where the pusher is, which means that my thumb to counterbalance that mm -hmm. is down at 8 o'clock as I would push. Where's the chrono lock lever? At 8 o'clock. They put it in the right spot. Now I want to try one. I really want to try one of these now because I just realized, oh my goodness, it's in the right spot. I got to try this now. This is going to be so cool. Like it'd be one thing if it was in a weird, like chrono lock, way better than screw down pushers because you got to unscrew them. And that means you can talk to our buddy Kid Whistle. He has never timed anything on his Black Bay 58 chrono that he owns. Never timed a damn thing <laughs> because he's got to unscrew those pushers. Um, and I will say, like, I love that Marathon Cesar. That was the one thing I had a hard time with timing because he'd unscrew those pushers. Now, theirs were very easy to unscrew, so it wasn't that big of a deal. But still, may maybe this chrono lock is the way of the future. Like, it's in the right spot. Like, you push it up, you press the button. Now, granted, wearing a chronograph on a yacht that's moving that fast, I've seen how fast these things move. I would want to be hanging on. I would let the person Fast. driving who has the digital clock in front of them figure this out. Cause like, 
it's cool. It's it's neat that they're sponsoring. I love the, you know it it, but there's no way you're being if if you're doing that, they're having to rescue you, man overboard, because you took whatever hands you had left to hold on, as you're going over the waves to push that button down. But no, that it, it is interesting. I just realized it's in the right spot, so that's kind of cool. Um, and it is also, I mean, it's a planet. It's a Seamaster 300 professional chronograph. It's gonna be thick, like. I've tried those things on. They're they're big. Uh, they're great, but they're big. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Yeah. And Spence, you bring up a good point. Let's be honest here. If you're actually in the America's Cup and you're on a yacht, let's be honest, you're not using that to time your yacht start. No. It's oh yeah. It's all computerized. So. so. Great, great feature, great thing for us average, everyday people. But no, those guys in those yachts aren't going to be doing that for that. But I will say, though, on that watch, I love how they have the colored subdial to indicate yeah. when to start. I think that's a weird it's, – it's always been a weird design aspect, and I, I love it. It's funky. It's cool. I like it. The color scheme so on that watch is absolutely there. great. It is absolutely great. Very good. I like it a oh, lot yeah. better – it does. It's well, so they came out on. with the um, the new Winter Olympics limited edition Seamaster Professional as well, which looks like a blue dialed mm-hmm. necton with a date, and then it has the Olympic rings as some of the hour markers or the colors. Like it's a cool walk. Like that that isn't really my jam. Yeah. I do really like the necton version that they came out with the uh, with the. I mean, it's it's very Yachtmaster esque. Um, yeah. The Seamaster. It, it's. I mean. Cool I like a lot of what Omega is doing these days. Like I, I'll be honest, I, I the, the new Speedy is pretty spectacular with the new uh, chronometer grade movement. Like it, they got a lot of cool stuff going on. And speaking of Swatch Group, uh, Tissot came out with a pretty cool vintage throwback integrated bracelet sport watch for a very very reasonable sum. That new PRX is pretty cool looking. I like it. I love it. I also think that the quartz on that is, that's not a bug. That's a feature. It's dirt cheap. It's under 400 bucks. So just don't think about it. There's nothing wrong with having a a quartzy boy grab and go in your collection. I got a a question Um, for you, Buzzy. I got a question for you. Do you now? So, so what is that? Is that watch is under 400 bucks with a quartz? I've heard a room. I've heard a rumor or, it's been written on Fratello uh, that in about another two months, you'll be able to get that with a Powermatic 80 in it. So that's going to up the price a little bit, but I can't imagine it's over 800. Which version do you go for? You, you specifically. I, so here's the thing. (laughs) This does not exist in a vacuum. Okay. If if we are at eight hundred smackaroos for for the TSO, I think that unless it really blows me away in the metal, I actually think that I go with Laurier. Uh, at that point, it's not an integrated bracelet, but and it's not, um, yeah, you know, it's obviously it's a dual crown. There's a lot of differences, but there's there's also some some similarities, a nice thin, um, you know, vintage inspired piece. 
don't know. I, it, it might blow you away in, in the flash and, uh, you know, it might be worth, worth that, uh, that change, but I would lean quartz actually. And here's the thing. This might be a great idea. This might be a terrible idea. <laughs> if the ticking really bothers you, eh, maybe you have your friendly local neighborhood watchmaker just pluck that second hand right off. All right. Yeah. What about that? Go uh, Cartier style. Cartier quartz, just no second hands. No second hands, <laughs> no problems. That's what I'm thinking. More second hands, more problems. That's right. That's right. Any watch with multiple seconds hands is going to have some issues. No, it's not. That's not a quart. Exactly. That's not a chronograph. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about this one, Spangler? I honestly like it. I dig it. Um, for a cool, vintage inspired, integrated sports watch. And for all the people that really wanted a 5711, well, here you go. Can't get that anymore. This is your next best thing. So I, I really like it. This is the next best thing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. It's on the wait list. That was next up. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Can't get, can't get that anymore. This is clearly their next best option. But to answer your question, Spence, uh, between the Quartz and the Powermatic 80, of course, I'm going to go Powermatic 80. That's a great movement, and this is a really cool designed watch. Very well designed, too, I should add. So slapping on a Mac in this thing, that's not too thick, which would be my one worry that it would get a little bit too thick with so Powermatic 80. The reason why I don't think it will is my wife and has a Tissot. The, the first watch that I bought, Rachel, is a Tissot with a Powermatic 80 in it, and it's a 34-millimeter watch, and it's, it's mm-hmm. stupid thin. Like, I mean it, and then yeah. I, I okay. I can't imagine that that watch. I mean, I don't even know. Like, what is the what does their C Star go for? I think you can get that watch for under seven hundred with a Powermatic eighty in it. Um, I don't know. Maybe that watch may still be that way. It may not be that much more expensive. I mean, granted, I got I, I got a pretty good deal on Rachel's, but like, I don't think I even paid five hundred bucks for that one. Like, I, I mean, I, honestly, like. That yeah. Powermatic 80 is finding its way into a lot of places. And as long as it's not the chronometer grade version, which they do make, which a chronometer grade version of a Powermatic mm-hmm. 80 I've seen in watches for less than $900 is amazing to me. Yeah. Yeah, I feel if they do put this in, it's going to be right around that grand mark, which tends to be like what most brands are shooting for now with like not their low tier watches, but their next best option. I'm throwing yeah. Seiko yeah, as an example, good, right? Yeah. Uh, their new prospect lines are right around that. Uh, and I'm sure they're going to be shooting for that price range and in that like competition area when it comes to brands. But, you know, if it's not too thick, I think it'd be great. It's a great option. But there is a line to be drawn between thickness and then going quartz because if it's too thick, I may steer quartz, honestly. And like Buzz said, you can always take that second hand off. That's a very good point. I want to see one of these so, with we'll have to see. with with a uh, rubber. It would have to be like utterly custom, right? But like, I think that this would look pretty slick <laughs> on a custom strap. I think it would. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
Spence. What's up? Quartz versus Powermatic. What 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 you doing? What you think? I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of with Spangler on that. Like, I if the Powermatic 80 was thicker, like to the point that it wasn't comfortable, um, I would probably go Quartz. I think I, I I would like to try them both on because I, I'd like to think that the only difference between the two is the movement. And that would be the only thing that I would want to see is like, does the quartz wear better? Does the, does the power match? Like may, maybe there's other things that they changed on it when the automatic version comes out. Like I just, I would like to be able to see them both next to each other. And one of the watches that I was initially impressed with, um, but kind of, I don't know that it'll ever find its way into my collection. And I think it's because, it doesn't there's just a couple of things missing on it is the Tiso gentleman and that has the powermatic 80 it wore really nicely um and i know it kind of looks i everyone's like oh it's just a date just copy i mean it, it looks of that aesthetic um but they make a version of it that has a 14 karat gold bezel with a, a brown dial now you can't get a two-tone bracelet on it and i know that would drive the price up but like there, there's a couple of versions of that that are very attractive and it is like the fact that you can get a a a fourteen karat rose gold bezel on a watch for under fifteen hundred dollars kind of blows me blows my mind blows me away, and I've tried it. It's a very very good watch, but the version on the bracelet the bracelet doesn't taper. I know that probably won't be an issue with the PRX because the bracelet taper is kind of like the signature thing of this watch, is it being an integrated bracelet sport watch? So I'd like to try them both on. I mean. Mm-hmm. If the Powermatic 80 is a little bit thicker, doesn't wear as comfortably, and and has a couple of things missing, I mean, for three hundred for under four hundred dollars, like you can't go wrong. There's nothing wrong with the quartz version. And like Buzzy said, take the seconds hands off. I probably wouldn't even yeah. do that. Like, it doesn't bother me. Like you you buy it knowing, hey, this is an awesome watch, and I want to wear it regardless of what the movement is. And oddly enough, that unless it's a chronometer grade Powermatic 80, that quartz is probably going to be a little bit more accurate. Um, but the, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I like to try them both on to see if there were any other things that, that kind of tip me one way or the other on them. Because like, you'd like to think that they're just taking the movement out and putting a different movement in, or there may be other things that make the automatic version better than the quartz version or vice versa. Like if the price points are far enough apart, there may be other things that they've worked into one of them or the other that could set them apart. And I think that that's kind of really where it is. I mean, mm-hmm. you got to go and, and figure out which one's right for you. And the only way to do that is by trying them both on. Yeah, 100%. Okay, well, I know that we're getting near the end of this episode, and this has been on my mind the entire time. So I want everyone's hot take here. And if we can finish on this or not, I don't, I don't really care. But I just want everyone's hot take. Spence, yeah. you just got a new watch. Your Seiko. Limited edition of 1,000 pieces. I just got one limited edition of 300 pieces. In your guys' mind, what is the highest number you would say is a true limited edition? How high can you go? Whew. I mean... Just a quick take. What's your number? Yours is Mine's 500. Really, 500? That's pretty low. That's like a... Tr- True, true limited edition, something that you can say is really limited. I say 500. Anything, le- everything. Go ahead, Buzzy. Everything four figures just doesn't seem that limited to me. 
Mm-hmm. It's nine ninety nine. You're good. One thousand. What kind of limited edition <laughs> is that? <laughs> I missed it by one. No, so um, there was a little bit of shade thrown. I appreciate that. Um, anything less than a rare Rolex sport model, <laughs> which we never will never know. No, I. This is kind of a hot take. I mean, and and I've heard. I've heard on Hodinkee Radio where the CEO of Omega has said, you know, we get crap for making 7,007 James Bond limited editions. He goes, we sell every single one of them and I got a wait list. So, I mean, is that limited? No, but you you figure, like I, the, the SPB that I have is 5,000 watches. I think, it, I think you have to take it into context of who the watch maker is. So a 5,000 piece limited edition mm-hmm. Seiko are there probably going to be five or 10 in Cincinnati? Yeah, there probably are. But how many watches does Seiko make a year? Think about that. Like for them to do a batch of 5,000 watches, they probably made those in a matter of a week with as many things as they pump out in all their factories. So like, I think you have to take that into context. I don't think there are 5,000 brew retromatics in any color period. And that's not technically a limited edition. So I think you, I think it depends mm-hmm. on who it is. So somebody like Seiko, 5,000 seems a little bit high, but in their context, like I don't want to see like any, it has to at least be, it has to be four figures or less. Um, I think anything that you want to start talking rare or true limited, I, I'm kind of with Buzzy. You got to be under a thousand, like to be truly rare. And, yeah. and the funny thing about that is, I, you know, this morning I was listening to uh, one of the more recent episodes of Fratello, uh, Fratello Radio with uh, Mike Balage and Jorg were all on. And they were talking about the idea of limited or like rare watches, talking about Rolex and some of these other, some of these other brands that, you know, nobody knows the figures on what they make, but there's a difference between rare and exclusive. And I, I would say that mm-hmm. they, they kind of really hit the nail on the head. So if you, if you haven't listened to that episode, go back. It, 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 it I think they posted it earlier this week or, or like late last week. I don't know exactly what episode number it is, uh, but go listen to that episode because they hit the nail on the head. There's a difference between rare, which is, you know, Jorg was wearing a Unimatic. Unimatic doesn't make very many watches a year. They make limited, they like limited runs. They aren't limited editions, but they make certain runs. Laurier makes certain runs. Brew makes certain runs. Notice makes certain runs of watches. Like the, the Salmon Dial Retrospect 2 that I have is probably more rare than the Hulk I had. Probably more rare. There's probably fewer of them in existence than there are Rolex Submariner 116610LVs. Let's be real. So, mm-hmm. but the Hulk is more exclusive in that if you want to spend a lot of money, you can go get one. So I, I think from that perspective, I like the idea of rare versus exclusive. Uh, but I'm kind of with Buzzy under under a thousand for a true. If you want to start calling something true limited, you got to do it. Here's the thing, though. Here's my other caveat. This is another spent soliloquy. Number them. You have to number them. If you're going to call it a limited edition, it can't be one of. Unless it's like, if you're going to say one of, yeah. it's got to be 100 or less. If you're going to start numbering them one of, yeah. 100 or less. Anything over 100, you got to you got to number them specifically. Number, yep. Yeah. 
I think it just goes to show the power of putting the word limited edition in front of a watch. I think it makes people think a different way when it comes to buying a piece. Because like you said, the Brew Retromatic, there is probably mm-hmm. less than 5,000 of them. And certain brands, that oh, yeah. is a limited edition. And they would put that on on the title of that watch, like limited edition, insert whatever brand and name of watch. Brew doesn't do that because that's not what they're trying to do. But a lot of brands do that. And with the mindset of people today, with flipping and dealing People like to look for those limited edition watches because they say limited edition. People know they're limited edition and they will pay more for them because of that. So it's a slippery slope, but I don't know. It depends. It really all just really depends on what you think limited edition is. Because like you said, Spence, there's different types of limited. Sub 100, you can do one of. And then depending on the brand, you know. It's all a different type of limited edition. And I think we go back to like the SPB and what a lot of what Seiko has been doing lately. Seiko does a lot of LEs, if you will. I got the blue because I like the blue. Like the, the, the 149 was the watch that spoke to me from a color perspective. It was slightly more expensive than the other SPB lines that came out. Although it wasn't any more expensive than the Willards. I, maybe it's just a bigger watch. It has more metal. I don't know. Um, but it was one of those things like I bought the blue because I wanted the blue. It didn't matter that it was an LE or not. And I, I don't, I didn't buy a, a Seiko mm. for the resale value. Like that's not why I bought that dive watch. That being said, I, I do think in a weird way in the future, it'll be easier for people to figure out whether or not a, it, it's the right watch because you go back and I know, again, our buddy, Mike Stockton from Fratello, he's a big Seiko nut, like vintage Seiko, like, oh, they only made these from this time to this time. Like, it is probably going to be 20 years down the road easier to say, yeah, they made a run of 5,000 of these in this color and that's it. And it's documented because these were in a limited edition. Like, so maybe in a weird way, some of these limited edition runs will make it easier to find original watches, the right serial number, the right movement, that kind of stuff. Like, you'll know, it'll be well documented in the future what mm-hmm. an SPV 149 was versus like what a 6105 should look like versus what it did because they changed like like there's a there's a I, i'm not really into vintage seiko so i don't even know if that was the right reference number but you guys get what i'm saying like it'll be very well documented what a 149 what it'll be very well documented what a srq 029 was maybe maybe that's a reason to do things like hey we're gonna do a batch of 5,000 in this color and it'll be known that we did 5,000 in this color maybe that's it Yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't know. This this is my final thought on it, but I just wish brands would get out of this phase of making everything limited edition. They just need to stop doing it. And I get it for doing it uh, for limited runs for very specific pieces every once in a while, but stop making 20% of your watches that you put out limited editions that people can't get. And we all really like. It's been driving me crazy for a long time, and I think it's a bad trend going on in the watch world that people do this. I don't know. But Omega, if you're listening, I needed a limited edition Speedy by the end of the year. <laughs> Lead pipe lock. <laughs> <laughs> they I think the odds be, right? are in your favor on that one. Yeah, I think, yeah. Let's be honest. Uh, they, they put do. out a lot of them. All right. Well, that was a ton of fun, guys. Um, Spangler, it's great to have you back, buddy. <laughs> He's back. I'm back. He'll be back next week. I'll be back next week, too. 
Oh, I will be back next week. That was yeah, my he, coordinated guest next he week, so I'm definitely there. gonna be on. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be a fun episode next week, everyone. Uh, glad everybody could join us. Uh, we'll see you next week. See ya. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Whiskey and Watches podcast. If you like what you hear, please take the time to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. We are enthusiasts, not experts, so don't at us. But you can find us on Instagram at whiskey.and.watches.podcast. Also, visit our website at zeitzwatches.com. Zeitz is spelled Z-E-I-T-Z. Zeitz.